listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, so we've been through this series through 1 John, uh, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John 4, or chapter 4, 1 through 6. Uh, if you do not have your Bible, of course, it's printed in the order of worship here. And John, um, it's, it's the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. He's wrote a series of letters here. And, and in these letters, he's been discussing the idea that if, if folks are truly believers in God, that really get what God's about, that understand the message of Christ, uh, they, they, they tend to love. We, they walk in the light. And... Um, with John, the idea is, that's uh, really important to John, is this idea of truth. And we've seen this idea of light and darkness a lot up until this point. And, um, and John's thing, and we've talked about this before, that, that, that truth is not important to believe just so you can be right. Truth is something to believe and avoid lies so you can flourish and thrive. John said it time and time again, truth lives to life and flourishing. Uh, Lies lead to destruction. But unfortunately, and you all know this, we're, we live in a world full of lies today. So what is the truth? How do we know the truth? We are being bombarded all the time with people that claim to know the truth and want to expose you to that. So how do we know when we're being told the truth? Well, John is going to help us a little bit with that today. So let's read our passage for today. Uh, and I think you're going to find what he talks about here quite interesting. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Which you heard was coming and now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, guide us today. Guide us in truth. But as we look at your, this passage today, we, we need your spirit. We need your wisdom. There are so many people, even within the church, that, that are saying things that are just not true. That, that are to the detriment of our soul. Help us today discern uh, just a little bit more of how to make decisions about who are false prophets, who are false teachers, who are antichrist, and who are the actual people that are preaching your message. So thank you for that you can guide us in that in your spirit. Thank you for your son in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, John's talking about this idea of uh, the antichrist in the world. Uh, in that, and he's using the idea of plural here, um, and but 
there's this idea in the past, in the history of the world, uh, of people looking for this, this one antichrist. The person that would come in and deceive and take over the world. And it's been attributed, the funny thing, it's been attributed to a lot of people in the world since John's time all the way to now. That there will be people that were called, that people said, no, this is the Antichrist this time. And in a few decades, no, this is the Antichrist this time. Let me name you a few of people that have been called the Antichrist. Nero is one, one of the big ones because he persecuted Christians. And matter of fact, the name, uh, his name, the code name that Christians had for Nero was 666 that you see in Revelation in that. And so that's one of the reasons that people said that. Various popes were labeled Antichrist. Um, we had um, people like uh, Napoleon Bonaparte named, was it? Adolf Hitler for obvious reasons named, was called the Antichrist. Uh, John F. Kennedy. Why? Why would John F. Kennedy be called Antichrist? Because he received 666 votes at the Democratic Convention. You see where we're going here? Henry Kissinger was called an Antichrist. Why? Because he was a Middle East peacemaker of Jewish ancestry, and his name in Hebrew adds up to 111, which is 666 divided by 6. The, uh, it's okay to laugh at this, because it is comical. Gorbachev, Ronald Wilson Reagan. You know why? Because each of his names have six letters. Barack Obama, because the Illinois picks three lottery numbers the day after he was elected were 666, right? Even the World Wide Web has been called the Antichrist from a, a whole equation of numerology to get to this idea of 666. Now, here's the thing. There's hundreds, this is a few of them, there's hundreds of examples of these throughout history in that. And every time they were wrong. Now, how can it be that the church was deceived so many times? I mean, isn't the church supposed to be the one place that has the truth of God? Well, when you look at a quick uh, investigation of, of all these situations, it seems to stem from one idea. And I even see it today uh, when, when, when we see this. People are often swayed, even within the church, of what they want to hear, what they want to believe, what they want to be true, versus what they really need to hear and what is actually true. That's our problem. There's things that we want to be true so bad. We will do everything, twisting numbers and all this, to make it be what we want it to be. That's our problem. So when we have this here, and we look at John, John wasn't as afraid of some big one leader that was going to come in as the Antichrist. He wasn't afraid of that. Here's who John was fearful of more than any other thing. And that was Antichrist, plural, Antichrist, those against Christ, plural. And he knew they would be far more detrimental in the history of the church than any sort of major Antichrist. So who are the Antichrists? Who are the Antichrists? The answer is probably going to surprise you. Let's look at three points today. We're going to talk about the idea of the command to practice wisdom. We're going to talk about the idea of the warning to test truth. And then we're going to talk about the call to listen to God's voice. Let's look at uh, uh, Roman number one here. 
the command to practice wisdom. John says in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. See, the world tells us not to judge and that everybody has their own truth. And this passage tells us the opposite. It's a call to be wise, a call to practice wisdom. John has been continually reminding us of this, that there are two forces in the world. There's God and there's evil. And we say it all the time. The world's trying to think you, make you think that it's a, a political divide or, or some kind of other divide, racial divides, economic divides, whatever. The essence of the divide is God versus evil, meaning demonic spirits versus the spirit of God that come from God. And because of that, we can't believe everything we hear. Think back to the story of Adam and Eve and Satan in the form of a serpent. After God had commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of a certain tree because they would die, the devil comes around and says, God's tricking you. You're not going to die. What did they do? They ate the fruit. Did they die? Yes. Did they die in the way that Satan was saying they wouldn't? He, said, he was basically saying immediately you're physically not going to die, but as soon as they, they ate it, they spiritually died. And other than that, they were going to live forever, and they would die. And so it's not this thing where if the devil would have came to them with some blatant lie that they obviously knew wasn't true, it'd be like me saying, hey, everybody, we're on the moon today. Those would be obviously blatant lies, right? But the devil takes it, the truth and twists it in just a little bit away. And those that are part of what uh, false prophets that John's called the Antichrist do the same thing there. See, here's the thing. Let me tell you this. I would rather somebody come to Chelsea and preach from the Satanic Bible than somebody in Chelsea that takes the Word of God and twists it because both of them are going to send people to hell. At least I know what I'm getting with the other guy. You know what I'm saying? This is what we're talking about here. I mean, at least one's honest about it. See, just like the idea of the one big antichrist, people have always been doing things like predicting the world. And every decade, people come up with these new theories about the end of time and, and, and what's going on in the Middle East. And they've got all these conspiracy theories that come up about when the world's going to end. That's not the craziest part to me. You know what the craziest part is to me? People will continue to follow the same teachers and the same speakers again and again and again when they've been proven wrong. Why would they do that? That's the crazy part to me. You know what the test of a true prophet is in the Bible? Right 100% of the time. Which means, if you say you're a prophet of God, you better be right 100% of the time. If you go back and you're wrong in a prediction that you make, the Bible considers that a false prophet. Wrong one time. You're like, wow, one time? They're a false prophet? Why is that? Because you're claiming to say the words of God. And if I'm claiming to say the words of God and I'm wrong, then people begin to think God's wrong. Or they begin to realize that you're not speaking God's truth anyway. Another test of false prophets is they say anything counter to the Bible, most importantly, if they twist the words of Jesus. The most important test is leads us to our next point. Look at uh, Roman number two. The warning to test truth. 
John says here, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So here we have it, these Antichrists that, Paul, that John's talking about. They're not demons. You notice that? The Antichrist that he's talking about, they're not, they're not demons outside of the world. They're not people in influential positions outside the church. They're preachers and they're pastors and they're teachers that are lying to people, that are twisted true, and that are false. That's who the Antichrists are and what John's talking about. And as a preacher, that kind of hurts and also scares me to death. See, here's the ultimate test of truth. Do the people in the church, whatever leadership position they're in, do they call others to repent of their sins and confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Denominations that talk to you or pastors that talk to you uh, more about what you need to do and even what you can do through the Holy Spirit and your outward signs more than what Jesus did for you would be a false teacher. The worst offenders are preachers. I'm talking about the teachers that tell you things like all you need to do is believe in yourself and think positive thoughts. These are what we're talking about the Antichrist and the false teachers. I'm talking about the preachers that tell you that if you just believe in the good things that you've done, then you're all good. I'm talking about the preachers that spend time on TV and the radio and all their time on these end-time predictions that are continually wrong, proven wrong again and again. I'm talking about church leaders that emphasize some kind of outward showy signs of the Spirit instead of inward transformation. I'm talking about preachers that turn Christianity into a checklist of do's and don'ts instead of teaching that it's really about a relationship with God through Jesus and what He is doing. I'm talking about people that spend more time on current events and trying to interpret the Bible through that and the political scene and all of those things that were their opinion where they talk about that more than Scripture. I'm talking about those are antichrists and false prophets and false teachers. And there's a special place in hell for those people because they are leading people astray. And they are not representing Jesus Christ. They are twisting his words. And John would call them antichrist. They are not to be listened to. They're false teachers. And if I even do, if I ever do any of it, everything I just said, any of those things I just mentioned, if I do those, then shame on me. And at some point, I'm an antichrist and false teacher if I do. Call me out. Please do for, the, for my own soul in that. So with all these voices, all these people in the church and so many different denominations, who can we trust? With all these people in the world claiming to teach the truth, who can we turn to? Well, let's look at our last point. A call to listen to God's voice. Verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. They are from the world and they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So what is the real test? How do you know? How do we know the truth? We have to listen to God. Now, I'm not talking about some dream God gave you. Because there's dreams I have that are counter to what the Bible says. Or I'm not talking about what your neighbor tells you. I'm not talking about listening to your heart or somebody else's opinion. And you can measure my words 
and your thoughts and the words of others, but we have to do it in relation to what God has said. How do we know the words of God? You have to read the Bible. There's no other way around it. You have to read the Bible. If you don't, anyone in this room, including me, we're going to be duped and we're going to be deceived by all these other voices and all these other preachers out there. If you don't know God's Word, you're going to constantly be walking through life in this gray fog between what's true and what's false. You're going to be vulnerable susceptible to what anybody says if they claim to be a prophet and a preacher and a teacher. John is saying there's a lot of liars out there and a lot of false teachers. There's a lot of wolves in sheep clothing. He's saying, be prepared. I'm not asking you to trust me this morning. Matter of fact, don't trust me. Take what I say every week and take it to the Word of God. Don't trust me. Trust God. Now, this section seems to be a switch from John's letter so far because you're like, wow, John, you're talking about love and, you know, all the light and all these great things, how to love your brother and the dwelling in the love of God. But let me connect the dots for you a little bit. Why is John saying this in the middle of all this talk about love? Because if you truly love someone, you will tell them the truth. If you don't love someone, you're probably not going to tell them the truth. And if you know the truth, you can love. If you don't know the truth, you can't really love. And the connection between truth and love and prophecy is kind of summed up in the quote that we had today from Martin Luther King at the beginning of our uh, order of worship. Listen to the quote that he says. He says, anyone that brings a message of prophetic condemnation must first love those to whom he prophesies. Without love, we can't test the spiritual rightly. I don't like preaching sermons like this, honestly. Very convicting for me. All week, I struggle with this idea, like, am I going to represent James and what I say, what he wants to say to the congregation here, or am I going to choose to represent the Word of God and be clear and grounded in that? Not only that, why am I doing that? It's because I love my congregation. My fear is that I would lead you in some way astray because, or, or that I wouldn't love you enough to tell the truth. John's just like this here when he's writing these letters to the church at the time. See, false prophets and false teachers speak from themselves, from the world, and to the world, telling people what they want to hear. Christians have overcome the world because the spirit that is in them is greater than the spirit that is in the world. Truth overcomes lies and falsehoods. And we are to rest in that. And God overcomes the world. The test of truth is love. Not love that tolerates destructive behavior or, or, or enables people, but love that loves enough to be truthful. At the end of his ministry, Jesus said, many false prophets are going to come and they're going to mislead you. Jesus didn't just say he knew truth. He didn't just teach truth, but that he was truth. See, the moral to the story today is that if you don't understand Jesus and his message and understand it as the only way to heaven, then you're anything else is believing a lie. Anything else that runs counter is, is, is the opposite of the gospel. What we're saying here is not knowing that if anybody tells you the way to heaven is based on your actions or something that you did or a decision or even a prayer that you prayed, Instead of the work that Jesus has done and your belief in that and his life and death, 
or that they say that you can do something to undo that work in your life by what you do or lose security in Jesus. They're false prophets, according to the Bible. See, each week here at Chelsea Press, we do our best to not only show this message, communicate this message of Jesus, and even communicate love and exhibit love, but to teach it, to communicate it. From our call to worship, if you notice, to our music, thank y'all for what y'all do with that. Oh, y'all. Um, to my sermons, to our confessions, to our benediction, we take these things very seriously. Not out of duty, not because it's our jobs to do it, but because we love Jesus and his message so much. And we want you to do the same. If you ever have a question about what we do in our worship, or you see anything counter in our service than what you see in the Word of God, or you hear anything that's the, that, that, that I say, that's a discrepancy in the Bible to what you see, do not leave that service or any other service without talking to Chris or talking to me in that thing because that's that important to us. See, Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection and his message and love and all the truth that's contained in that is so important. So let's continue our service today and rest in that truth and rest in what God has done and rest in what Jesus has done instead, instead of believing the lies that other people are telling us and our heart is telling us that we need to do something to earn our own salvation or we need to do something to find favor with God. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you uh, for today. Um, there's just a lot of uh, voices out there and even voices in our heads and our hearts that's leading us astray. Um, as much as we would just like to come up with our own truth, and it would be so much easier, that's not what you call us to do. You call us to test the Spirit. You, talk, you call us to test our own words. You call me as a, a pastor to test what I say and to be very, very careful with that. Lord, uh, help us to learn to love truth. Help us to read your word. Give us a desire to read your word. If nothing else, so we're just not duped. So we're just not going to believe everything we hear or make up our own religion. So many people in the past have done that, especially within the church. Lord, protect us from that, keep us from that, and help us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.